I'm your host, Kurt Sandvig, and welcome to Paranormal Almanac. That's right, I'm your host, Kurt Sandvig, and on this edition of Paranormal Almanac, it's an all-listener UFO stories. No ghosts, no demons, just UFOs, maybe some aliens, you'll have to wait and see. All for a very special episode 90. Now, I've been working so hard on getting episode 100 ready. I know it's 10 away, that's at least a couple of months away. Or is it, because I'm going to cruise through these episodes, not not too, too fast, but still, I want to get to it as quick as possible, because episode 100 is what I've been working for. But, I almost blew past episode 90, which is this very episode right here, and that's an accomplishment in itself. I love that I've hit 90 episodes, and there's no sign of slowing down on getting new material. I have so many episodes in the work, so many exclusive episodes, ideas for patrons and whatnot, just for those, those patrons. I get so many great ideas and shows for them. And I got to say thank you not only to them, but thank you to everybody that is listening to this podcast. Without you guys listening to it, maybe I would have stopped, but you guys are listening to it. So I'm not going to stop anytime soon. And speaking of patrons, it's shout out time. For episode 90, here is all the patrons. Shout outs to Aaron... Baloo? I'm going to get that one way wrong. Baloo. 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 Aaron B. Aaron Vincent. Lauren. Alejandro. Amber. Amy. Angie. Anthony. Autumn. Brody. Seth. Carolyn. Carolyn. Chuck. Dan. Daniel. David. Dill. Edgar. Erica. Aaron. Fabian. Harley. Harvey. Hey, Harvey. Heidi. J. Mark. Jade. Jamie. Jared. Jason. Jason. Jeff. Jeff. Jeff T. Jenny. Jenny T, Jim, Joe, John, John Hammond. I got to say, John Hammond is a, is a patron of mine, and I'm sure you get this a million times, and I apologize for being just another person who's going to say it, but isn't John Hammond the guy that created Jurassic Park? And if that's you, sir, well done. Jonathan, Jory, Joshua, Joshua, Judy, Juliana, Karen, Kat, Catherine, Keith, Kelsey, Kenny, Kira, Kyle, Lash, Laura, Laura Rutho, Lauren McCune. Hi, Lauren. Lawrence. Lily, Lindsay, Lionel, Logan, M. Caballero, Caballero, M. Caballero, Madison, Maggie, hey Maggie, hope you're doing good, Michaela, Manda, Manning, Martin, Matt, Matt, Matthew, Megan, Megan, Melissa, hi Melissa, Nanashi, Nate, Nick, Pablo, Rachel, Rich, Rich, thank you again so, so much for all your patronage, you're still awesome. Richard, Rodney, Rosa, Sage, Sarah, Sarah, Shiny, Shelly, Simon, Lauren, Suzanne, Tash, Tosh, sorry, uh, Todd, Jamie, Elijah Hendrickson, Tom, Travis, Troy, Veronica, and Vincente. That was the full list. Past, present, and maybe future again. Patrons, you guys are all awesome. Anybody that has ever contributed to the patron, you're amazing. Thank you so, so much. This show could not be done without you. I, I, I know I say it all the time, but it's very true. This show could not be done without these guys. So if you guys skip ahead, if you skip past the shout outs, you're a bad person because those people are the reason this show exists. 
Alrighty, let's get on to paranormal news. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Paranormal News. Alright, before we actually get into paranormal news, A, how cool was that bumper music? Loved it. B, I need a very special 100th episode paranormal news bumper music. So, if you're as talented as the people that I've already played, that have already sent me bumper music, well, now is your chance to be heard. Up to and including past it, episode 100. Definitely for episode 100, I'm looking for new bumper music just for episode 100. Send your bumper music to paranormalalmanac at gmail.com. Please try to keep it under a minute. Please have something to do with the paranormal. I get, um, I've gotten a lot of like, hey man, here's my song. And sure, it's a cool song, but it has nothing to do with paranormal. That's kind of missing the point of the paranormal news bumper music. Right? Right, Stitch? Yeah. All right. The first news story is one that everyone has sent to me, but I wanted to wait until this episode to tell it. I'm sure you guys are very aware, but just in case you're not, hey man, I'm trying to talk, it's cool, buddy. But just in case you're not, hundreds of thousands of people have taken a Facebook pledge to storm Area 51 to see the aliens. Over 500,000 people have signed on to a Facebook event pledging to raid Area 51 in Nevada in a quest to see them aliens. Now, the event's titled Storm Area 51. They can't stop all of us. And it's inviting users from around the world to join a run into the area. They say we can move faster than their bullets. Now, obviously, this is not meant to be serious. It's going to take place on September 20th. Oh, I thought it was the 21st. I got to check something real quick while I'm talking about this. Oh, it's a Friday. Well, I'm still going to do it. All righty. If this happens, first and foremost, I hope you guys know that this is a joke. I really hope that you guys clicked invite or clicked interested or clicked going like I did because it's fun, it's cool, it's funny. But if, and that's a big if, if it turns out that people are actually going to show up, then yes, I will go there. I will drive to as legally close to Area 51 as I can get without being shot. And yes, I will live stream whatever happens for my patrons only. But for everyone listening, including the government, I am not crossing into Area 51 and getting shot. Because we all know they moved everything to S4 years ago. There's nothing to see there. So yes, think the story is hilarious. The memes are gold. But don't go there thinking you're actually getting into Area 51. It's just not happening. The best thing that'll happen is you'll get arrested. The worst thing that'll happen is you're going to die in a hailstorm of bullets. It's a military base. Don't think they're going to let you in. It's just not going to happen. And speaking of that, let's actually hear from someone who was there. That's right, Bob Lazar has even talked about what is going to happen, has even brought it up, and he says this, I have to comment on this Storm Area 51 thing. 
I do understand it was started as a joke by someone, but there are a number of people who are actually planning on showing up. This is a misguided idea. He said, Area 51 is a classified research base. There are no aliens or alien technology located there. The only place there was ever any alien technology was on Site S4, south of Area 51 proper, and that was 30 years ago. S4 may have moved decades ago, or it's possible it's no longer being used for this project. He says, I do not support this movement. He also brought up the fact that the last time someone actually attempted to get into Area 51, and this is important, everybody listen real quick. You guys listening? Everybody focus real quick. The last time that someone attempted to get into Area 51, he was shot. That's it. This is not the way to go about trying to get more information. What is good is the intersect is the interest in the subject, the science and technology. That is what would immediately change the world we live in, he says. The U.S. Air Force also issued a statement saying, Area 51 is an open training range for the U.S. Air Force, and we would discourage anyone from trying to come into the area where we train American armed forces. The U.S. Air Force always stands ready to protect America and its assets. And then we have another person chiming in who seems to know a little bit about it, and that's author Annie Jacobson. And she says in her book, The Area 51, An Uncensored History of America's Top Secret Military Base, she says, that base is so jealously guarded, both in terms of media and in terms of actual physicality. I don't think the Air Force or any of the other military partners or intelligence community partners that are all working out there at Area 51 are going to let anybody anywhere near the entrance of Area 51. So again, if you guys are going, and you're going as a joke, if you're going to see what's going to happen, sure, that's fine. If you're going to actually try and get in, there is no point. You will get shot. I would feel really bad if you guys got shot. So just don't go or become a patron. Watch my little live stream again, only if it's determined that people are actually going to show up. I'm not driving. I'm assuming something like seven, eight hours. I forget what the actual time is. I'm not driving like six hours out in the hot, freaking hot, freaking hot sun to live stream absolutely nothing happening. It's, you know, it's just not that cool. I've been out there. You can't see anything. You can go to the alien and that's cool. But actual Area 51 proper, it's not worth it. Okay, up next in paranormal news, ancient tree with record of Earth's magnetic field reversal in its rings. So they actually found this ancient tree that actually has a record of Earth's magnetic field reversal. This is another big conspiracy theory that the Earth is going to flip its axis. The magnetic, uh, the, um, the magnetic field is going to be reversed and everything's going to go apeshit and haywire. Everybody's going to die. So this ancient tree that contains a record of this reversal has been discovered in New Zealand. The tree in Agathis Australis, better known as the, better known as its Maori, Maori name, Kauri, was found in, oh man, Nagawa, Nagaha, on New Zealand's North Island. I know I said that wrong. New Zealanders, I absolutely love you. Just like Australians, you guys have the best accents, the best sense of humor. Everybody that's ever come from New Zealand or Australia, all the women are hot. I don't know what it is, but that's amazing. Anyhow, so during excavation work for the expansion of a geothermal power plant, 
The tree was found. It was found buried in 26 feet of soil. It measures 8 feet in diameter and 65 feet in length. Now, carbon dating revealed that it lived for 1,500 years, between 41,000 and 42,500 years ago. They say there's nothing like this anywhere in the world. This tree is unique. Now, the lifespan of the tree covers a point in Earth's history when the magnetic field almost reversed. At this time, the magnetic north and south went on an excursion but did not quite complete a full reversal. Earth's magnetic field is thought to be generated by the iron in the planet's core. As it moves around, it produces electric currents that extend far into space. This magnetic field acts as a barrier protecting Earth from the solar wind. Pause right there if you guys don't grasp what that means. This field is what's keeping us all alive. For no exaggerations at all, it is what's keeping us all alive. Now, it goes on to say, when the magnetic field reverses or attempts to, it gets weaker, leading to more radiation from the sun getting through. Previously, scientists have linked extinct extinction events to magnetic field reversals. So, they got this tree. They brought samples of it. It's being analyzed by scientists at the University of New South Wales. And they're trying to figure out what happens, like get an insight into what we should expect the next time it happens. It's going to happen again. We will have increased cosmic radiation. It'll take out satellites and it might take out other communication infrastructure. That's what the experts say. So they have this tree. Hopefully they're looking at it very close to figure out what happened and what we can do to protect ourselves from the next time it happens. Up next in paranormal news, an incredibly stupid story. Are extraterrestrials extra patriotic? Well, this story says that according to the National UFO Reporting Center, New Fork, an American nonprofit organization that has collected reports of unidentified flying objects since 1974, UFO, UFO sightings tend to spike on July 4th. Between 1995 and 2018, around 2% 2 of all sightings recorded by New Fork fell on this date. That's seven times more than we would be expected by chance. What explains this phenomena? Well, a lot of misidentified things in the sky because of fireworks. That's my guess, but this article doesn't actually go on to say. So, your guess is as good as mine on a dumb story that ends halfway into the story. Up next, have the ancient origins of Scotland's Loch Ness Monster, don't call him a monster, been identified on film? A Scottish filmmaker has published evidence of the, quote, true nature and origins of the 1,450-year-old mystery of the Loch Ness Monster, don't call it a monster, when he discovered within a mysterious 7th century text. Ashley Cowie, or Cowie, I apologize, presents Scottish television's The People's History Show and currently features on Discovery Channel, blah, blah, blah. On Saturday evening, a short documentary appeared on his YouTube channel and on a supporting article has been published on his website claiming to have identified the origins of the Loch Ness Monster, you know. He first looks at a research paper published in April in the scientific journal Earth Sciences History, which examined more than 1,500 genuine monster sightings, excluding hoaxes, going back to 1801 pointing out that after the discovery of dinosaur fossils in 1819, reports of sea serpents, which until then had tended towards the serpentine, began to describe the monster as more and more resembling a Mesozoic marine reptile like a plesiosaur or a mosasaur. Mosasaur? Mosasaur. 
He goes on to say, well, while this refreshing research paper shows an increase in sightings of a long-necked plesiosaur-type creature after 1819, it does little to account for the serpentine forms reported on the lock prior to this date. So looking for those answers, trying to figure out where it all came from, he found this 7th century Life of St. Columba written by Adam Manon of Iona. I'm sure I said that right. Which you can read online, blah. It's also on the Fordham University website. So in this paragraph, dated to August 22nd, 565 AD, St. Columba was traveling to Interves, Inner, Inverness, Inverness, not Interves, Inverness, to win the approval of the Pictish king, Bredae, Bredae, to convert his pagans' picks to Christianity when the water beast attacked one of his followers swimming in the river Ness. However, Columba drew the sign of the cross in the empty air causing the water beast to flee in terror. So he sees that this drawing, the sign of the cross, is a highly revealing deliberation in the mind of the writer and claims that it's a metaphor. A metaphor is what started the Loch Ness Monster sightings. He's not a monster. Now, since then, it's kind of taken on its thing of its own. But here's my thing. Who's to say that this didn't happen in... 565 AD. They were trying to go across to Inverness and some guy was in the water and he gets attacked by this ginormous beast that we know lives in the water. So Nessie attacks this guy and then just withdraws going, oh, you're not a seal. Like, you know, sharks, they grab on a people and they go, you're not a seal. And they let him go and they swim away. Who's to say that that didn't happen? So as far as I'm concerned, it is not conclusive proof that Nessie was always a hoax. In fact, in my opinion, it's just the opposite. It's just a very early Nessie sighting. Alrighty, up next, I think it's the last story. It is the last story of Paranormal News for this week's episode. No, I have one more after this, sorry. The next story in Paranormal News, family believed that their main home was haunted, so they called this priest. This is in Holton, Maine. After more than three decades spent working as a priest, the Reverend Terence McGillicuddy said recently that he'd been called upon to perform countless services for paranormal needs. When a call came from his hometown of a local family that needed his help to feel more at peace in their residence, he admitted that it was something with which he didn't have much experience. In all my years to service others, I had only re received a request like this once before. It was also from a Holton family and they wanted to keep, they wanted help with the same thing. They wanted their house spiritually cleansed because they were troubled or frightened by something that was going on there. So on June 18th, McGillicuddy returned to Holton to the steps of the home on the corner of Winter and Pleasant Streets that the family members suspected was being haunted. Now it's a 12 bedroom multi-family home it was built in 1887. And the people that moved into it, that bought it, said, We first started to notice things when we started the renovations on the second and third floor. I would go in and hear my name called, even though I was alone in the house. My husband experienced the same thing, and my daughter heard her name called three or four times. We found things knocked over, doors slammed shut. At one time, I felt like a man was staring at me through the window. During the renovations, contractors found a picture of a family inside the walls. In the 1800s, families used to stuff old clothing, newspapers, and pictures on the walls to act as insulation. Now, they're convinced that the spirits of the former residents pictured in the photo have remained in the house. They said it isn't just us. One of the contractors said he was frightened and left the house because he felt like someone was touching him. 
Maguire said that the odd noises continued and got more aggressive even after she burned sage and blasted Christian music in the home. And I like that one. Look, blasting Christian music in the home isn't going to do a whole hell of a lot, except for the people that just don't like Christian music. Anyhow, once they uh, discussed the possibility of getting someone to help them, they said, we knew we needed help. We wanted to, you know, be at peace in our own home. So they started to read the exorcism prayers, and they blessed every room in the house with holy water. I'm skipping ahead at this point. This story gets very long. They go on to say, I know there's some people that don't believe in these things like this, but I do. And I know a number of others that do. I've heard that there are a number of haunted houses both in Holton and in Maine. Now McGillicuddy said he was happy to have helped them, and he's happy to be of help to any local families that need his service. So it sounds like him going there and doing this has cleansed the house. So another haunted house story that I think is cool. And last but not least in paranormal news, a big thanks to Buzz for sending this next one to me. There's a Bigfoot conference in Gatlinburg. Now they're going to host their first ever Smoky Mountain Bigfoot conference on July 27th. So we got a little bit of time. If you're in the area, please go to this. On July 27th, America's most experienced Bigfoot research Bigfoot researchers will gather in Gatlinburg, Tennessee for the first ever Smoky Mountain Bigfoot conference. The all-day event will take place at the Gatlinburg Convention Center with $25 getting you a general admission ticket. You can also opt to pay $50 for a VIP dinner, which may include, which may include, it should include, which may include a special guided hike in the Smoky Mountains. Guest speakers will include Cliff Barrickman, a bunch of researchers. It's going to be cool. If you're in the area, if you like Bigfoot, please go to this. Just make sure that nobody fucking shoots Bigfoot. That's all I ask. It's all I ever ask. So, if for some reason you fast-forwarded or didn't hear the Haunted Australia episode, in it, I read an email I got from a listener. So, let me read that email again before we go any further. And that email says, Kurt, I love the podcast. I can't tell you much and I won't give you my name, but I can tell you I worked on the very technology used by the Navy to capture these videos of UFOs you've been talking about recently. I've seen videos that have never been made public that I wish I could have had copies of for proof, but that would get me put in jail or worse. I can assure you, I can assure you all that this isn't a hoax. They are very real. There is so much more proof coming. Does it mean for their, does it mean they're from outer space? I don't know, but it is and has been happening, especially since the introduction of FLIR technology on military aircraft. No, I can't be a guest. No, I won't respond to this email. I will delete this account after I send it. So this freaking awesome email got me thinking. It got me thinking about all of the awesome stories, all the awesome UFO stories that I had already received from listeners and how they'd all make one hell of a great episode. Look, I envy so many of you guys for seeing these UFOs so closely, so clearly, and some of you quite a few times. So here you go. These are listener UFO stories, all from listeners. They emailed me. The only thing I ask, as you guys know, they have to be real. They have to be true. They don't have to happen to you. They don't have to happen to be new. They could have happened to any time as long as they're real. And if you have paranormal stories, UFO stories, abduction stories, 
whatever, send them to me, paranormalalmanac at gmail.com. Alrighty, so with that being said, let's get to that first one. Oh, um, wait, sorry. Before I get to that, as always, if you don't hear your story here, don't worry. I'm saving it for another episode coming up very soon. Also, yes, I edited some of these. I cut out names for the most people, unless you said you can use my name. Sometimes I shorten them for time. Sometimes I remove almost all of the incredibly nice things that you guys have said about me or Paranormal Almanac. So thank you to everyone who said hi, Stitch. I absolutely love that. He'll get an extra treat tonight from you guys because of that. Um, sometimes I, I truncated them just to get to the goods. You guys send me these great emails and they're very long and I love them. But just for the episodes, I cut them down to the good stuff. Just to the, you know, the UFO nuggets, if you will. Alrighty, with that being said, here comes the first one. Hi, Kurt. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, here we go. It was 1969, and I was training at Williams Air Force Base in Arizona when my roommate and I were on the second story of our BOQ, which is the Bachelor Officer Quarters. Those are buildings on the U.S. military base for quartering commissioned officers. I had to look that stuff up. Anyhow, so they're sitting on the second story of the BOQ. We're sitting there chatting when he noticed a brightly glowing object in the western sky that seemed to be heading in our direction. Now, this wasn't a plane. It wasn't anything we had had on the Air Force Base. It was spherical and translucent with a red light in its center. But what really made it stand out was that it didn't make a sound. It continued slowly towards us at an estimated elevation of about 2,000 feet. We were frozen just watching this quote-unquote thing come closer. Then... It just exploded as if it were full of Roman candles, again, though without making any sound. We immediately reported it, but we were advised to not talk about what we saw if we wanted to stay in the Air Force. We reported it to Sky Harbor, the local Phoenix airport, and the base flight personnel before we were told to keep quiet. We were advised to not talk about it, again, if we wanted to remain with the Air Force. That's an awesome first story. These guys knew what they were seeing on these bases. They lived on these freaking bases. They knew what was there and what wasn't there. And this thing definitely wasn't supposed to be there. Next up, I hope they don't have to be recent. Kurt here. No, they don't. Because mine took place about 60 years ago on July 4th. Both my sister and I saw a UFO very close up, a distance of about 100 feet from us. This wasn't at night, though this was around 3 p.m. It was round, silver, and my sister guessed about 10 feet in diameter. It was hovering about 4 feet off the ground, near the top of a small rocky hill behind our house. Now, it was silent, except for a whirring sound. We must have watched it for a few minutes, moving slowly, then it whirred up and took off southbound, and we watched it for about a half a mile until it finally shot up and out of sight almost immediately. 60 years ago. What do we have now that could do that? Nothing, really. What do we have from 60 years ago that could have done that? Nothing. This next one says, I used to work at a convenience store in the 90s. I was outside on a smoke break around 2 a.m. when my coworker looked up and pointed to this, quote, thing, a glowing red circle. It was not a planet. It was way up high in the sky, higher than planes, but definitely not a star or a planet or a satellite. 
We watched it hover in place for five minutes or so, then it stretched out to a long cylinder shape and then blipped out. Not turned off like the light turned off, but vanished like warp speed stuff from Star Trek. Definitely doesn't sound like a planet to me, or a satellite, or anything we had. Alrighty, so we went to 60 years ago, 1969, then the 90s. Let's jump over to the 80s. This next one says, I've seen Navy pilots chase after UFOs in the 80s over Florida's coast. It flew circles around these, it flew circles around the jets, and they could never catch it. This wasn't a weather balloon or some training thing. These jets were flying breakneck speeds, and it was toying with them. This next one doesn't give a date, but you'll kind of guess how old it is in just a second. Before cell phones, I was a deputy in the South. I still work there, so that's as specific as I get. Now, this email, I really truncated it because there was a lot of details that I thought might tip off who this person is. So, listener that wrote this, you know who you are. I condensed it greatly. I apologize if it's condensed too much. Alrighty, anyhow. Uh, before cell phones, I was a deputy in the South. I saw something silently fly over me really fast. I pulled over and used the payphone to call another sheriff. He was 25 miles north of me and saw it at almost the exact same time as me. That's how fast this thing was moving. We met up, we both wrote down what we saw, and it matched. The silver disc, silent but moving fast. We both decided that reporting this would mean losing our jobs, so we ripped up the papers, never talked about it again. Again, I apologize for editing it so much. There were just so many details that I thought might tip off who you were. Next up, we were camping in Big Bear, and while lying on our backs looking up at the sky, we noticed a large portion of the stars were blacked out in a circle. Now, we focused on it and realized that something huge and black was silently moving across the sky, and it was right over us. This was not a blimp. It was perfectly round and huge. At least 10 times the size of a blimp. It blocked out so much of the sky, even though this thing first appeared to be high in the sky. Oh, I'm sorry. Even though this thing appeared to be high in the sky, we just laid there and watched it slowly go until we couldn't see it anymore. Definitely not a balloon. And let me add, we were sober when we saw this. And I'm glad that you added that because there's a couple of stories that I'll be honest, aren't on here because, you know, they were tripping balls. They were on acid. They were you know, whatever, drunk off their asses, they couldn't see straight, they think they remembered this, that, and the other. It wasn't reliable enough for me, so I didn't put them on there. Again, do what you want, go have some fun, but it doesn't make for a credible UFO sighting, for me anyway. Alrighty, this next one is, and it's real short, when leaving for a hunting trip, one morning my friend pointed up and said, look at that UFO. Sure enough, it was a long silver cigar with no wings. We watched it for maybe five seconds before it took off at high speeds and was gone in an instant. Now this next one, see I told you that one was short. Now this next one, I can actually explain I think. Now I can't guarantee that this is the explanation, but it matches so many of the details. I'm highly confident I can explain this next one. And it says, after a 4th of July festival in Wisconsin about five years ago, we saw two orange orbs in the sky in a straight line go from horizon to hot, blah, go from horizon to horizon completely silent. It wasn't a satellite or fireworks. 
Okay, and that's all they said. They said it was silent. They said it was moving across the sky in a straight line. It didn't go fast. It went from horizon to horizon, completely silent. I don't know why I can't say horizon to horizon tonight. Anyhow, Kurt here. If you listen to the blimp episode, this is a perfect example of seeing a blimp overhead as it makes its way to the next event at night. Now again, am I 100% confident this was a blimp? No. But given the details... Everything they said, it sounds a lot like that blimp explanation on that episode. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, please go back and listen to every one of the episodes. And when you get to the blimp stuff, you'll know that's the episode I was just referring to. Alrighty, let's take a quick break right here. Don't worry, there's more right after this quick message. And we're back. Okay, this next one said, I met a couple of commercial airline pilots at a party. And since I love your podcast, I asked them what they thought of UFOs. And they both said any pilot who has had any amount of flying hours under their belt has seen things they cannot explain. Everyone I know has seen things and most never say a word for fear of losing their jobs. Then I asked them about chemtrails and how you debunked them. Kurt here. Yes, I did. Chemtrails are bullshit. And they laughed and said, Chemtrails are just dumb, not true at all. Thank you. Experienced pilots, they've seen UFOs. Experienced pilots are not switching on chemtrails over America or anywhere else for that matter. Chemtrails are just dumb. Pilots are just cool. Moving on to the next one. Very quick, but here it is. I saw six objects all go blurry and then stretch, then blink out in the sky. Now, it was sunset, and we could see them clearly. I still get scared thinking about it. I kind of cruised through that one, so let me say it again. I saw six objects all go blurry, then stretch, and then blink out in the sky. You tell me, what does that? That is not a meteorite. Meteorites are the exact opposite, if anything. That was not something... Wasn't fireworks, wasn't swamp gas, wasn't Jupiter, wasn't Venus, it was none of these things. So what does that? Next up, I saw something that looked like Predator when he was cloaked. Kurt here, real quick, just in case you don't know what they're talking about. There's a movie Predator. If you haven't seen it, you should see it. It's pretty good. Get to the chopper, all that fun stuff. Anyhow, in Predator, this this creature is in the jungle, and when it's cloaked, it's shimmery. It's not Harry Potter with the, you know invisibility cloak it's shimmery you can still kind of see you can see through it but you can still kind of see the outline that's what they're talking about i just wanted to get that out of there out there before i continued with this one anyhow i was driving up north in california and pulled off to get some gas while i was pumping the gas i noticed something odd in the sky it was roundish shaped but completely cloaked so i could only see the outline of it I know this sounds crazy, but once you were looking at it, it was clear as day. The same color of the sky and the clouds, but you could see the distinct shape. To make sure I wasn't going nuts, I pointed it out to the person pumping gas at the pump next to me, and they instantly said, what the hell is that? Is that, what the hell is that? It's like a cloaked thing in the sky. Now we both tried to get pictures of it, but you can't see it on the photos. They did send a photo, and I would gladly share it, but it's a photo of a sky. So if you want to see what their photo looked like, go outside during the day, take a photo of the sky, make sure you get a cloud in it, 
that's what the photo looked like. I'm not saying this person is wrong. I'm not saying this person's insane and they just took a photo of this guy and sent it to me. I can kind of get behind the thing about camera phones not capturing something that's cloaked in the sky. I can get behind that. Loved that one, but this next one, I gotta say, I absolutely love this next one. Hey there, I was listening to your recent podcast and I noticed you were doing some listener stories. I am Brady. Use my real name, I could care less. I have one big one for you. Back in 2011, I was going from Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, I'm sure I said that wrong, down 81 north back to Scranton, Pennsylvania with my father, dri with my father driving. It was about 9 p.m. and the sky was dark. It was in the summer and we were coming back from a cookout. We were about two miles from the exit back to Scranton. And if you guys don't know, Scranton, Pennsylvania is where they filmed Dunder Mifflin. That's where Dunder Mifflin, they didn't really film it there, but that's where Dunder Mifflin was from the office. So that's kind of cool. But anyhow, we were two miles from the exit back to Scranton. It was at this point I noticed an odd, quote, star in the sky. It was a starless night, yet this star was bright. It was the only thing in the sky. I looked at my dad and said, do you see that? And as if on cue, the star began to move slowly at first. Then it began doing those things, but then it began doing these, what I can only describe as loops in the sky. It was moving up and down at insane speeds. Then it began to pulse out weird light and just accelerated quickly into the sky vertically. Now here's the even weirder thing. We didn't even talk about it until two days later. Two days. He saw it exactly how I saw it. Now I was never a skeptic in the paranormal because I was raised in a family of ghost hunters. That's awesome. I know what I saw. Now I've seen these things ever since then, slowly skimming the sky and looping around. These are not normal. I feel like I'm being watched. I feel like I'm being watched anymore. I feel like I'm being watched more and more now. I've been researching the paranormal and that's how I came across your podcast. Thank you so much if you share this. I did, it's right there. And I have many more strange stories I want to hear them, but this one I thought you should hear. Remember, don't shoot Bigfoot. Ow, I hit my arm. Ah, I hit my elbow. Funny bone. Ah, fuck yeah, right, Brady. Don't fucking shoot Bigfoot. I loved this one. I hate that thing I just hit my elbow on. That story was freaking awesome. Don't fucking shoot Bigfoot. Brady, love your story. Always want to hear more. Anytime. You know the email address. Next one. I saw a very large silver ball in the sky. It was very up high and much bigger than a weather balloon. It was just hovering there and a small plane in the sky made its way towards it, then flew around it once. So I know the pilot saw it too. I tried to make a report of it at the local airport, but I never heard back. And that's a shame because of course this small pilot plane or the small plane pilot must have seen it he went around it. He went that direction and then went around it once. Where's that pilot? Where's that pilot's report? Shouldn't that pilot have made a report? Where's that report? I want way more details. Your story was great. You Don't get me wrong. You were right. I'm just saying I want more details about this because it is obvious there was a another witness that was even closer than you are. So what the hell was it that you were watching? a very large silver ball in the sky, unless it was a weather balloon, which I would assume you have said, hey, I saw a weather balloon, but unless it was a weather balloon, why didn't that pilot report it? Alrighty, up next, I love the show and I saw something, but I can't say it was aliens, but definitely an unidentified flying object. That's all in quotes. 
It was an orangish colored orb that went from standing still to streaking into the darkness of the New Mexico desert in a flash. One of the coolest things I've ever seen. It was also witnessed by multiple people. All right, this next one was sent to me by a friend of the person that had the story, but the story wasn't theirs as well. It was their uncle's story. So it's a friend of a friend, and that friend's uncle is the person that this story is about. Confused? Well, maybe this will help. My uncle was a flight instructor in World War II, and a UFO flew very close next to his plane for a full three minutes. The co-pilot said, should I report what we're seeing right now? My uncle said, no, if they do, they'll ground us. Because of the fact it just happened and will be discharged for being unfit. Something like that. Just after he said that it shot straight up. Later on, when they had the Roswell incident, my uncle went there. And yes, there were real aliens there, shaped like us, small, very super intelligent, beyond what we know. They walked around Area 51 with freedom, they communicated freely, and to this day we learn from them, and they were moved from Area 51 long ago and moved to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. Everyone should believe in them. I've seen two in my lifetime. One hovered over my neighbor's home for 45 minutes and took pictures. Or maybe they took pictures. It's kind of ambiguous right there. Uh, ambiguously worded. 45 minutes, took pictures. Police witnessed it as well as several neighbors. The next morning, his house was raided and all film was taken. Aha, there we go. All film was taken except a roll his wife hid in her robe to this day. They still have the photos. She developed it in her rebuilt darkroom. Kurt here. Fantastic story. Hey, friend of a friend of the uncle. If this is real, please get me access to this film. I don't need to keep it. I just want to see it. Let me interview them. I would love to interview them. If they don't want to do it in per person, maybe via phone or Skype or something. I want to talk to them directly. Now, I know that you said, or they said, whoever your friend said, that they've seen two in their lifetime. But look, I'd like to talk to your friend too. I want to talk to anybody that was involved in Area 51. If this uncle is still alive, he was a flight instructor in World War II, so there's a chance he's not. I get that. If he is still alive... Please, before he passes away, if he doesn't want to talk to me, he only want to talk. He only wants to talk to you. Before he passes away, get this all on film. Interview him. Ask him a million questions. If you need to know what questions, I'll give you a million questions to ask him. Find proof that he was a flight instructor in World War II. Find any proof that he was in Roswell for that alien crash, for that UFO crash. Anything you can get. Get it all. Document it all. Put it on film. Send it to me. Do whatever you want with it. If you want to try and make a million dollars, try and make a million dollars off it. The point is, this is a phenomenal story. There aren't many witnesses at all left from Roswell. Get it all down while you can. Hi, Stitch. How you doing, pal? <laughs> so please, yeah, like I said, if you're the person who wrote this, and you should know who you are, um... Please get all the information you can as quick as you can. Don't wait. Don't wait a week. Don't wait a day. If you can do it today, do it today. Get it while you can. This stuff can never be recovered. If this person passes away without these questions being answered, it's going to be a huge loss. That's all I'm saying. All right, cool. I love that one. That was fantastic. All right, up next. 
My sighting happened before most of you were born. It was 1974. Okay, that's not that old. And I was, and I saw a disc-shaped UFO with lights on the edge. It flew overhead, stopped for about five minutes, and then immediately took off in a different direction at a speed you could not imagine. It was all, it was all in front of, I think they meant, it was all in front of my friends and me, probably six or seven of us. Okay, up next. <laughs> oh, it's this one. I, I love this one. Kurt, I have to write to you. My daughter played me an episode of your show. My daughter played me an episode of your show, and you need to stop. There are no space aliens, no UFOs, no little green men. There are demonic aliens. Bet you didn't think it was going that direction. There are demonic aliens. The Bible talked about them, and you are spreading the word of the devil. Please don't think that there is a friendly life source out there, because they are not. They are among us now, but after the rapture and the removal of the Holy Spirit restrainer, demonic activity is going to flood this world. I know it sounds crazy, but please remember these words for the future. First of all, thank you for writing. Thank you for listening to an episode of my podcast. I hope I didn't swear too much. Don't fucking shoot Bigfoot. Thank your daughter for getting you my email address. You're free to write me anytime. That's how you feel, and that's fine. It's totally fine. I can't prove to you that aliens aren't demons any more than you can prove to me that aliens are demons. So, agree to disagree. Hi, Kurt. Welcome from Michigan. Hey, thank you, Michigan. I was just back there. I had some Superman ice cream, some Saunders hot fudge, some Better Made barbecue potato chips, and some Fago rock and rye soda. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you're not from Michigan. Anyhow, Hi, Kurt. Welcome from Michigan. We are so happy you are from Michigan, too. I am, too. Thank you. My friends, wife, and I have had several sightings over slash near Lake Erie. I've served in the military, and I've seen fighter jets flying, and this was nothing like them. The speeds, the stops, the course changes, the things they could do was not man-made and would kill our pilots. We've seen them during all times of the day, from early morning all the way through to late night. Keep up the great work, and please make a Paranormal Almanac TV show. Okay, Kurt here. Okay, I would love to. Look, if I could afford to film... If I could afford to film a pilot right now, you best believe I would. I've actually talked to people out here in California about making a Paranormal Almanac TV show. Knock on wood, maybe in a few more episodes, they'll be more interested, let's hope. But... If you're connected to the entertainment industry at all, if you have the ability to make TV shows at all, and I mean quality, not like, hey man, I got a camera, let's do this. No, I mean with a budget, with a, uh, you know, a salary for me, if you will. Uh, if you have the ability to do that, I would love to make a Paranormal Almanac TV show. I'm stating it for you now. I've got a great idea. I've got a great bunch of fans. And when I say I got a great idea, I don't mean the podcast, although I kind of do. I think it's a good idea. I think it's fine. I've got a great bunch of fans. The fan base is growing all the time. People want a paranormal show with debunking. I can feel it in my bones because that's what I want. So yeah, let's do it. Let's make a paranormal almanac TV show. If I get enough patrons and I can afford to, I would totally quit my job and do a pilot. I'm telling you that right now. But anyhow. Okay, this next one is, it has a ton of credible witnesses. I loved it. 
Hi, I saw one fly right over the military base I was stationed at in Mannheim, Germany in 1985. And it wasn't just me, it was everyone on the base, at least 800 men, saw a cigar-shaped object with a blue, or with a light blue slash yellow flaming tail coming out of the rear of it. Men stopped everything and started shouting for others to look at it, and we all saw it for about 30 seconds, and then poof, it was gone. Now, obviously, I can't speak for this person, but when, I, when they say, poof, it was gone, I don't think they mean it just disappeared. Maybe they do, I don't know. I'm thinking they mean it took off at such a high rate of speed that it poofed, it was gone. But maybe I'm, you know, again, I don't know. Okay, up next, I was playing with my boyfriend's night vision goggles in the desert, which if you haven't done it, you need to try it. You can see satellites and planes and everything going across the sky so clearly. Well, we were using the night vision goggles, and it was about 3 a.m. when this pitch black object went overhead, and with the goggles, I could clearly make out it was a triangle. No lights, and it was silent. We watched it pass overhead, even though it was high up, it was big. The triangle thing went from the horizon to horizon in about 20 minutes, and we watched it the whole time. Kurt here, have you guys noticed a pattern here? Sure, there's, the object shapes are slightly different. There's some round ones, there's some oval ones, there's some cigar-shaped ones, there's triangle ones. But, almost all of them are silent. Again, again and again and again, the witness descriptions remain the same. They're silent, they're fast, they can do things that no man-made object can do. I, it's just an observation. I thought it was really interesting that my listeners are hearing, or so not hearing, they're seeing things that are so vast, so big, and so silent. All right, the next one says, I don't know what it was, but here it goes. I'm from Canada, and my friends and I were sitting around the campfire when we saw three, quote, stars above us rotating around each other, doing loops and figure eights and, quote, just playing in the sky. We watched these lights dance, and they were bigger than the stars. I never saw a metal craft, only the lights, but they seemed intelligent, and when they were done with the figure eights, they all zoomed off in different directions. Next one says, I never saw anything, but here's my story. I never saw anything, but here's my story. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, I know this one. I never saw anything, but here's my story. I was driving with a buddy through the woods. It's all woods by me, by the way. So we were driving at nine at night, when all of a sudden, a green light lit up the road behind us, then over us and my car, oh, then over us and my car, like a helicopter spotlight, but brighter and greener. And then it was in front of us until it was gone, all in maybe 20 seconds. We had the windows down. There was no helicopter sound or any sound at all. It was quiet and it was quick. So that's what they meant by I never saw anything. They never physically saw the object, just that bright light, green light, by the way, over their car, from behind, straight over their car, and out of sight. Alrighty, this next one is the last one for this episode. Now again, if you didn't hear your story on this episode, I've got a huge episode that's coming up in 10 episodes that I'm piling with some stories, with some great stories, with everything. I want it to be, like I said, I'm hoping, fingers crossed, knock on wood, I'm hoping that episode is like a three-hour episode. That's what I really want. But anyhow, the last episode for this one. Hi, Kurt. I saw one of your black triangles. Kurt here. They aren't mine. Anyhow, I was maybe 14. I was lying on my bed when a loud rumble 
like an earthquake. The ship itself was silent, but it rumbled the windows of the house and woke me up. I looked out the window and to the left, and there it was, a huge triangle in the sky with a lit up circle in the center and a light on each tip. It flew, it flew really low and really slow over the houses until I couldn't see it anymore. Then I was too scared to go outside to continue watching. Can't blame him. If I was 14, that's probably what I would have done as well. I think I'm missing one. I am. Somehow or another, I might, well, maybe I saved it for the next episode. Anyhow. Yeah, there was supposed to be another episode, another story as the last story. It didn't seem to save for whatever reason. I'm sure I have that email still, so I'll add it to probably episode 100. So there you have it. Real listener, real UFO stories. A lot of the stories had a lot of the same stuff in them. Like I said, everything was silent. The fact that these ships are huge. These aren't tiny little circles or triangles or cigars. These things are big. And they're being spotted around the world. And also, they're being spotted decade after decade after decade. I think the oldest story was 60 years. 60 years. This stuff has been seen forever. It's not going away. The sightings aren't decreasing. If anything, they're increasing. People are seeing stuff more and more. And I know that right now skeptics are screaming, then where are the photos? Then where are the videos? You guys have this phone in your pocket. Why aren't you filming this stuff? Well, a couple of these people actually tried. As good as these photos are, as good as these cameras are on, or as good as, not as good as these photos, as good as these cameras are on your phone, they're not perfect. You're still trying to shoot something smallish in the sky. Go out and take a photo of a plane in the sky and then tell me how clear that photo looks like. They aren't the best for distant objects or objects up in the sky for that matter. So yeah, you can get a good photo every now and then, but not all the time. And when you're actually here, when you're one of these eyewitnesses, when this thing is actually happening, some of them, they said, you got 30 seconds. There's two in a row that said we saw it for about 30 seconds, then poof, it was gone. It hovered for maybe 30 seconds to a minute and then took off and was gone in a second. So you got 30 seconds. You're watching a UFO. You're finally seeing a UFO. You really think you have the presence of mind to take out your phone, take a clear photo, make sure it all looks good. No, you're freaking the hell out. You're seeing a UFO or a demonic alien, I don't know, for the very first time, you don't have the time. Now, some of these people did. Some of these people took photos, and the photos were confiscated, or they hid the, you know, a roll of photos in a robe, and I want to see those photos. But my point is that you can't always think clearly enough to go, hey, look at that UFO. Let's see, the best setting is this one. Here we go. Take it. Now I'm going to zoom in a little bit more. Take it again. You don't have that presence of mind. Also, a lot of people that witness UFOs, again, I've talked about this in, in past episodes, when they witness UFOs, they don't think, huh, I need to be taking a photo of that. You get that weird, eerie calm where you're not really thinking straight. And that not thinking straight, whatever it is, I don't know what it is, but that not thinking straight is what stops a lot of people from taking photos or really soaking in all of the details. They almost get like a hypnotic state to them, a very calm state to them 
while they're looking up and looking at UFOs. So they don't have that presence of mind again to take a photo. Would I like photos with every story? Hell yes, I would. But here's what I do want for sure. For real. This is what I want. Most of all, most importantly, I want true stories. If you got me to read one of your fake stories right now, congrats, I guess. I don't know what the point of that would be. Oh, I made up a story and Kurt read it on a podcast. Okay, big deal. You just got a minute maybe of podcast time. You know, you can make your own podcast and talk about it all you want. Make up shit all you want. You don't need me. But anyhow, I can't thank you guys enough for these fantastic UFO stories. And like I said, I got more. You guys are slamming my inbox. I can't think of a better word off the top of my head. Inundating my inbox, whatever you want to say. You guys are giving me so much great content that I really want to do another listener paranormal story right away. But as you guys know from before, I kind of like to space them out. I like to save them up, get all the good ones and put them out there. If you've sent me a story and it's been a few months and I haven't read it, chances are I have lost your story. Please resend it. If you sent me something, you think it's a really good story, there's a good chance that I've lost it. I've lost a lot of emails. I'm not the most organized person if you can't tell. Um, so if you did, if you sent me a story, it's been a couple of months, send it to me again. Remind me. Be like, hey, Kurt, remember this story? I didn't hear it yet. And then I can say, oh, well, yeah, I read it on this episode. Or, oh, crap, I completely forgot about it. Thank you for sending that to me. And I'll make sure it's heard. Because I want all of your guys' good stories, all of you, all of your good stories, I want you guys to hear them. I want everybody to hear them. I think that... Listener stories are the most important topics, if you will. Everybody's heard about Roswell. Nobody, not, well, not nobody, only a few people have heard about this uncle that has been to Roswell. That's the story I want to hear. Everybody's heard about the Stanley Hotel. I want to talk to people who saw stuff in the Stanley Hotel. I want to talk to people who stayed at the Stanley Hotel 60 years ago and saw stuff. I want to talk to people who are actually there. Boots on the ground, actually there. Those are the stories that I absolutely love. And I can't thank you all enough for sending me these stories. Because as far as I know, and I hope this is the case, these are exclusive stories to Paranormal Almanac. That's not saying if you send me your story, you can't send it to any other podcast at all. Send it to anybody you want. But as far as I know, as far as I'm concerned... These are exclusive stories for Paranormal Almanac, and that's cool. That's really cool for me to be a part of this incredible story, these incredible stories. Thank you so much. Once again, I'm your host, Kurt Sandvig. This has been another UFO listener edition of Paranormal Almanac. Russian loaf to brush it me up. Him or run a zillar wood. Him or snow weed up must.